0: Yeah, there we go. Now I can hear me. And welcome back to yet another episode of Behind the Lens. I'm Debbie Elias, creator uh, creator and host of Behind the Lens, where we go behind the lens and below the line, looking at the movers and shakers and film and TV makers uh, all around in every possible genre, medium around today. Um you can find my movie reviews and interviews in print and online in the US and abroad, in numerous publications, and of course, always on behindthelensonline.net. And yes, for those of you, yes, I am a tomato meter approved critic for Rotten Tomatoes. And more and more of the reviews, I have in excess of 3,000 reviews uh, that Rotten Tomatoes would like me to post. Um, it is a Herculean task. So slowly but surely, uh, adding, you know, I'm, I'm getting the catalog of reviews up there. But uh, you can find a, co- a few hundred of them right now uh, with new ones being added all the times, New releases and new old classic reviews. Uh, but every Monday, you can hear, you can find me right here on AdrenalineRadio.com. Uh, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, um, where we've got live guests, exclusive pre-recorded interviews, and so much more. And today... Wait, as I sneeze... Maybe I'm not going to sneeze. Okay. Uh, And today, it's all about web series today. Um, I'm so excited for the guests that we have today and for the exclusive pre-recorded interview I have with Aaron Eli Coletti, who is the executive producer, creator, writer, showrunner of Daybreak. Oops. And if you're watching us on the AdrenalineRadio.com Facebook live stream, one of the books on our tablescape today just fell off on the floor. Okay. I'll have to pick that up at some point and, and put it back up. If you are watching on the AdrenalineRadio.com Facebook page, we are streaming. There's nothing exciting about watching unless you want to look at my ever-changing tablescapes. Um, this week, I'm showcasing books. Uh, one, the latest autobiography from Julie Andrews' homework, which is fabulous. I've read that one. Classic film fans, if you haven't gotten her book, do it, do it, do it. You're going to love it. And the one I am about to start reading... This week, Elton John's autobiography, long-awaited. And the book that fell on the floor, Shadows and Light, it's by uh, legendary stuntman Gary Kent. Uh, And Gary is a dear, dear, dear man. Uh, I was lucky enough to first get to meet him almost 40 years ago and then reconnect with him recently uh, over a documentary uh, about him, his life, and his work. So we'll talk more about that later. And later in the show, if you're watching, I will go, I will crawl on the floor and pick up the book and put it back up. So you can all see it if you're on the Facebook live stream. Uh, but first up, you know, as I said, we're going to Aaron Eli Coletti's exclusive interview that I did the other day about daybreak. I am so in love with this series. I had, it is beyond bingeable. It is fabulous. Um, and it's essentially Mad Max meets Waterworld meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets Ferris Bueller with a dash of Revenge of the Nerds and Warm Bodies thrown in there for good measure. It is so much fun. You get the same kind of vibe uh, vibe that Joss Whedon brought us with Buffy the Vampire Slayer on television. Um, the cast is amazing, starting with Colin Ford, who I adore. Um... He had a film out earlier this year, Extracurricular Activities. He was in as a young boy in We Bought a Zoo. He was then in Supernatural. He leads this wonderful ensemble cast. I can't recommend this show highly enough. Once you start watching it, you are going to have to binge it. Trust me when I say that. But, you know, we have a film that is, it's kind of the end of the world, but it's not the end of the world. It's the end of the world for adults, but not for kids. Um, but once we hear my interview with Aaron, then we move on to three live guests who are going to talk about their series, Welcome Home, which you can find on Vimeo On Demand and Amazon Prime. Bobby Chase, Daniel B. Martin and Justin alvis Another raucous, riotous s- series. It's in season two. You are going to want to binge that as well, and whereas Daybreak takes a look at high school students who are now going to be running the world and living in a mall, of course, where else would you want to live? I'd go live in a mall, um, as long as I didn't have to clean it, I'd go live in one even now. Um, so first, we're gonna, uh, you know, after you hear what Aaron has to say about Daybreak, then about teen high school age. Then we're going to hear from uh, the three creators of Welcome Home, which deals with a group of 30-somethings that have all had to move back home into their parents' houses because they couldn't make it on the outside world. So it's a nice little yin-yang that we've got going on here today on Behind the Lens. But I'm I'm excited for the boys to join us at the midpoint of the show. But right now, take a listen to my exclusive interview with Aaron Eli Coletti talking about the phenomenal daybreak. Hi, Aaron. Hey, Debbie, how are you? Well, after binge-watching this incredible series, I'm very excited to talk to
1: you. (laughs) Oh, you're so nice. Thank you so much.
0: I love this series it's like Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets Mad Max meets Waterworld meets Ferris Bueller with a little bit of Revenge of the Nerds and Warm Bodies thrown in for good measure
2: Uh,
1: yeah basically um, I am a human depository for most of pop culture from from the 70s to the present day and I, you know, I turned it on puree, and this is the show that kind of poured out. It's really weird.
0: Well, I got to tell you, all these little touchstones um, through your production design, which I'm going to get to in 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 a minute with you. Um, the production design, the dialogue, the social commentary. I mean, you talk about timely your Emmer Gonzalez Accords reference spot on with Parkland and the fact that these kids you know they don't use guns they won't use guns you get into the vaccination issue that is plaguing schools right now around the country you're dealing with gender you're dealing with LGBTQ and at the bottom of it all, you retain the whole idea that we saw, so that Joss Whedon brought so succinctly to life with Buffy, of high school is hell, and you yeah. and you celebrate the individual the individuality each student is trying to achieve, um, and you never lose sight of that. And I think that is the strongest suit of the series and everything else revolves around that as they each try to figure out who they are and at the core, they're just teenagers and Yeah. You know, they want to go to the damn mall.
1: Exactly. That's exactly what it is. You I mean, look, you Debbie, you just totally nailed everything that we were trying to do. Um in 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 so many regards. I mean really at the core of it is, is, is how certainly I felt coming of age and being a teenager. And I think that it's still, it's just a timeless feeling of when you are in high school, which is you feel like an outsider and you feel like an outlier and you feel like there's nobody like you. And one of the best moments is when you find your, your people Mm-hmm. And you find the people who are so much like you, and you think like nobody is like me in the in the universe. And the and the greatest lesson we can all learn is that we all feel this way. We all we all feel so alone, and when we feel alone together, we're not so lonely. Mm-hmm. And and if this could give a voice to that feeling of individuality of how we all kind of are in our individual coming of age stories, and yet. When when we find out how weird we all are, that we can make a really powerful tribe together, that was at the core of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the ability to do this through through a, a real wild ride, entertaining, fun, being making sure that the core of the story had humor and heart and horror, very much like Buffy did. Buffy was definitely. The show that wanted that made me want to become a television writer mm-hmm. was watching Buffy. Um, it was it was an experience of like, oh, I didn't know you could do that in television. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that, that in in the process of, of an hour of television, you could make me laugh, you could scare the shit out of me, and and you could make me cry. Mm-hmm. And and I think like that is. That it's such a rare thing to be able to tr- to attempt to do to not be one single thing. Um, that that was a driving force behind this, and that if you could do that really successfully, you could touch on these universal items that's going on currently, whether it's vaccinations or gun violence um, or, or 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 gender identity issues that. That, that doesn't have to feel like we're giving medicine to an audience, but we can talk about how kids feel about this today mm-hmm. um, and how we feel about it and, and not do it in an overly preachy way, but do it in a way that, that we can deliver it in, in a nice package <laughs> that, that you don't know that we're, you know, you might not get that we're talking about these things, but we actually have a great venue to be able to
0: discuss them. And you do it so well. And, I mean, you even get down into, you know, every kid through their lifetime. They had teachers that they hated. They were the meanest teacher on the planet. And here you embody that with Ms. Ms. Crumble. And as so many of us learn later in life, it's like, my God, that really was the person that really cared about me. Yeah. and you really you create this wonderful dynamic and relationship between Ms. Crumble and Angelica that I got to tell you in the, in the fun in episode 10 I was crying I was crying because they you develop all of these characters every episode we get deeper and deeper every episode showcases another one of the, the main principles and the tie-ins of their lives. And by the time we roll around, episode eight, seven, eight, we are so invested, and that when 10 comes, it's like, oh my God. It felt like the end of the world was happening for us, watching it.
1: That, thank you, first of all. Like, these characters are so, you know, the characters are dear to me, the actors who portray them are unbelievable. Like, we just have, you know, the best cast that I could have ever imagined. Um, and and Krista and Allie in particular, oh. are just genius. They're just, <laughs> they're just, they, you know, they never, <laughs> especially, we gave them so much hard stuff to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Whether it's selling the comedy whether it, it's doing the the emotion you know like we gave them amazingly difficult stuff to do that they never they never balked they owned they owned it and they made it better than we could ever imagine and and what we were always trying to do was tell things from a character point of view you know every it, it was so important to every episode that yes we tr- you know we we tweaked the style because you know, and I've said this before. It's just like everybody's in their own movie.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Everybody has their own POV, and everybody's movie is different. And that's what makes it so wonderful to be human. Is like we're all so different, and we're all in our own. We're all the stars of our own movies, and all our movies are different. Mm-hmm. And and when you start telling things from character POV, and really dig into the characters, things like plot, like we we do have a plot, but it's it's very it's very minimal, and. Our goal is really always about, you know, just let's, let's tell these characters and who they are and how they're dealing with these circumstances. Because, like you said before, in the same way that Buffy was about high school as hell, you know, I also felt high school was like surviving the apocalypse.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and surviving the, it, it feels like the end of the world. And you're like, how am I going to get through this? And I'm going to get through this by persevering, by figuring out who I am as a human being, and by my friends. And and that is what is core, you know. That's that is just a core driving factor of every episode of of the show and yeah. and the series as a, as a whole. And, and just to relate to kind of what you were saying before about about Miss Crumble and Angelica, how they were able to really connect. Um, there's a there's a there's a thing going on of like why we chose adults to be Ghoulies and why they why they. Why, they, why, they, why they're the monsters in the story is, you know, I feel like kids and adults, we vibrate on these entirely different frequencies. Mm-hmm. Just we are, we, are, we are attempting to get to understand each other and to know one another, and it's, like, almost impossible because we just are so different. And when you become adults, like, these monstrous things happen to you. Mm-hmm. Like, you care about the most inane things that you don't care about when you're a kid. And when you're a kid, you you don't realize how large the world can be. And so we try to... We we try desperately. I see this with me and my own kids. Like, I adore them. I love them more than anything. But, man, sometimes we just can't connect because they're on a different level than I am. Yeah. Um,
0: and that's and, we see so, that so, so beautifully
1: a lot of the series about bridging that gap.
0: And and you do it so beautifully with through Miss Crumble and Angelica and you know you even take on there it feels very much you know going beyond a student teacher but to a parent and a child because Angelica we we feel her remorse about never connecting with her mother and her mother being off in a submarine 3000 feet below Sea level, and yeah. so we see that develop, and it's it's also this this little subconscious message sneaking in there that, you know, hey, parents may not be all bad, teachers may not be all bad, um, but you're not hitting anyone over the head with it.
1: Yes. And well, and yeah, and it's and it's.
0: <laughs> We're we're
1: not we're never trying to hit people over the head with it. One of the things that I love about the reaction that I've seen to the series so far is everybody's looking at, especially you know not to be spoilers, but everybody's looking at the end of the series, and they're having such varied reaction about you know w- whether you're you're on Team Sam or on Team Josh or who you love, and so and the, I think the same thing is true with with this presentation of of crumb like a lot of people like love crumble and they hate burr mm-hmm.
2: and and it's like p- parents can be both adults yeah. can be both that, to that. Yep. You, know, you can be you can be
1: you can you can have <laughs> you can look at them as as we are attempting to consume you or we are attempting <laughs> to keep you alive
0: That's and, and
1: both are true
0: And you present both sides of the coin here constantly through every episode. And I have to tell you, casting Colin as Josh, brilliant. I love that kid. I just, I interviewed him earlier this year for extracurricular activities. And he is, and he made that one a couple years ago, and it finally saw, is now seeing the light of day. But to see his growth as an actor and in his timing, and what he brings to Josh, outstanding. Thank you. I mean, I think the world of Colin. I
1: think that he is just, you know, he's 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 such a talented actor, um, and his ability to just to just try things, and especially things that are, you know, he's not the hero of the story, and he's the hero of the story. He he is leading an ensemble, mm-hmm. and and he is a teenager. Like the, the <laughs> we we punish his character constantly, um, whether it's losing his sword in a ghoulie or cutting off his own finger. He just makes mistake after mistake after huh? mistake. And the thing that I love about Palin is, you know, a lot of people want to look really cool on screen. They 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 desire, you know. Like, because it's hard to separate yourself from from your role. And this is a cast that is not afraid to, you know, these are kids, and they make mistakes and they're learning and growing. And they were fearless in portraying that. Mm-hmm. And I think what that says a lot about them as 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 actors and people is is their their ability to really always just go for it.
0: You know, I've got to ask you, Aaron. I love the way you, your construct, your overall construct, uh, the fact that we have the Bueller-esque breaking of the fourth wall uh, in every episode by Josh, um, also the narration, and then you you bring the and we don't see that in television or in a series. Um, that's something that generally it's reserved on the rare occasion for a film. But it's very effective, it works, it catches you off guard, but it it keeps in tune with the youthful ideas of our principles, of our protagonists here. And then you throw in these beautiful technical flourishes. Your team has done an amazing job with montages. And you follow that through with extremely polished uh, production values And most notably, your production design, which is off the charts. Thank you. Oh, my God. From the opening, from the teaser of where Josh is living, um, in, in the residence that he absconded with golden pharaohs and furs and all kinds of stuff, to the mall, but particularly when we get into the cereal factory. That is so gloriously designed and built, and then shot. Your cinematographers, uh, Dwayne and Jaron, amazing job with lighting, with texture, and the use of color. Because most apocalyptic, quote-unquote, films, we're not seeing a lot of color. And here we get pops, we get sunlight streaming through windows of that cereal factory, and we're some. Su- a lot of the glass has been replaced, so it looks like a stained glass window. Um,
1: and that was that was actually part of the location. Wow! And we just we you know and 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 Dwayne DC um, just knew how to emphasize that. Oh! And 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 go. I mean, we had we had an amazing production designer, Barry Chested. Hmm. Um, and Laurel Bergman, who took, who 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 also collaborated with him and kind of took over for the back half, um, and and ama- and like you said, amazing DPs with Jaron and, and DC, and you know we were just we knew to, <laughs> we wanted to create a, an apocalypse that you wanted to be in, mm-hmm. and in order to do that. You know, most dystopias are either fully washed out, mm-hmm. um, and and or you know, like <laughs> what our executive producer Jeff Pearson likes to say, you can see the smelliness of it. Yes, and Ooh. and we wanted to make a place that that you wanted to spend your time in, and 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 so it was it was really in early conversations that Brad and I and Barry had, um, as well as with our with our with our wardrobe designer, Michael ground about talking about it needs to have color. Mm-hmm. Like we cannot shy away from being really bold with, with our color palette. Um, almost to the point of, of like, of, of, <laughs> of, 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 not, uh, of, of turning up the volume every single t- chance we could have. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was about, because it was not making it big and bright and bold. um, from, you know, whether it was the blues in in the um in the Cheermazon car or Wesley's orange shirt or Angelica's, you know, bright turquoise flame proof uh parka mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of all over the place. And the other thing that was really important in this, and this was Brad and Jaron who did who did such tremendous work designing this world, you know, we want they wanted to put this you know, amber, yellowish LUT on the post-apocalypse, so that when we flash back to the present, we could have a real distinct look mm-hmm. between the present and the past. And in doing that, yellowish, you know, very Mad Max influenced LUT on on the camera, it really affected most all of our colors. Mm-hmm. Like things would just, certain colors would just disappear in that in that.
2: <laughs> with that tint, sure, and so it and it, so it forced us to really be
1: creative and find the colors that would always pop. So everything had to be tested. Everything had to have had to have a screen. You know, had to do a camera test. Wow. And and you know, every time we started looking at color, like it was just we really realized it early on. Of like, oh, well, the black is really great for the jocks, but like these on outfits and the on makeup and and even. the the mall colors of the daybreakers like oh we have to be really careful here and and color is so important we need to really choose our colors and how we dial this in so every decision every little detail that was made on that um, between production design DP wardrobe props it was all done in in sync in order to create everything that you were
0: feeling well because it just as I said the production value so it is so high So polished, you know, and I don't, you know, we don't see that in series work. You just don't see that unless you get into something like Game of Thrones, which, okay, for my money is essentially just this side of monochromatic, Um, but, but you don't see that. So it's refreshing to see that here, but it also just fuels the story on another level. And it's it's magnificent, Aaron. Really magnificent.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, and here's the, like part of the other thing that I think is 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 just like I uh, I applaud Barry and Laurel, uh, as well as Jaron and DC on this because you know George Miller had years and years to do Mad Max Fury Road.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs>
1: We had a lot. They they were working on that for ever to get all the little details that are in every single vehicle. Um, we had they had years. We had months <laughs> to 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 do as much world building as we could do. And so, right from getting picked up to green light, um, right when Barry you know started, it was. It was, it was hit the ground running mm-hmm. and talking about weapons and talking about, you know, um, vehicles and how we're going to do this and how we make it, you know, how do we take um, homage from Mad Max and dystopias and make it, but, but keep on pushing it and make it our own. And I think the thing that I've learned, the biggest lesson I've learned as a showrunner is is that my my best joy is being able to inspire the department heads to want to do their best work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's where my joy comes from. Like, I can't sit here at high and dictate, like, how to do things. I got into this because it's wonderful collaboration and seeing people who love what they're working on because they're having as much fun as I'm having in building this playground and building this sandbox that we're able to make. You know... It's Barry who came up with the concept of like, well, we need to do tribe tags. And every, every tribe is gonna have their own graffiti tag. And he was really inspired by some of the graffiti he was seeing around Albuquerque. And and then we got into developing what those tags would look like. But that came from, that was not in script. That was Barry being, mm-hmm. being a genius and, make, and making the world feel lived in. And I was like, that's fantastic. It's so awesome. And you have these iconic, now we have these iconic tags that really, you know, define every tribe.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: the same thing is true for Michael Ground in designing the wardrobe. Like we knew, like Wesley, we knew we wanted to have this blend of of urban street and samurai. Mm -hmm. But it was Michael Ground who was like, look, I found this great pattern to do for Wesley's shirt and I want to write Daybreak in Japanese
2: in his shirt.
1: And all that kanji says
2: since
1: daybreak all over it. And it's just like an amazing little detail that you would only know if you really dug in. But it's like that level of dedication from every department head is what makes, is what really brings it to life.
0: Now, I'm, cu- I'm curious, Erin, because I know that... I'm so sorry, just to jump in here for one second. We have time for about one more question. Okay. Well, I've got to ask you... Um... Okay, now now my mind just went totally blank. It is gone. It, the apocalypse has hit it. Um, uh, no one. I wanted to ask you about. In addition to breaking that fourth wall, um, this is a heavily scripted. There's a lot of dialogue happening here, so I'm curious. You know, uh, was there a lot of ad libbing allowed? Did did they have to adhere strictly to? the dialogue is written because it has a great flow to it that feels very contemporary for Generation Z
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I would say it's a, it was a wonderful combination of both um, you know we we have a wonderful uh, writing staff an extremely diverse writing staff with amazing voices that are able to make I feel like our, we are able to make these characters come to life um, that said we can only do so much, and it becomes incumbent up on the actor to really feel these characters understand them. and And there's a lot of specificity in our jokes, but we are heavily influenced by our actors because they are the ones who who become the characters. I mean, Austin is amazing as Wesley.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so much of Wesley develops because of who Austin is and his energy. And so the characters morph and change from our concept to then marrying that with the actor's performance and finding the ways of being able to move it forward. So some things are definitely scripted and, you know, a lot is definitely scripted, everything is scripted, but it's also, we,
2: it's a guidepost. Mm-hmm. It's a guidepost to the actor of like, look, this is what the scene's about. This is what we need to capture. If you need to save us in any way to
1: get it out, to make it feel more like the character like we can we let's adjust let's figure out the way to make it work um and then some instances like <laughs> especially with with greg cassian playing eli
2: oh god i um, love him. <laughs> you know who
1: is hilarious and amazing a lot of the crazy stuff that Eli says is stuff that greg was saying around <laughs> around video village um <laughs> Or just around hanging around Albuquerque and texting us. Um, he just is so such a unique uh, person, and 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 he is Eli. So you know, a lot of those things came from our just our conversations.
0: Well, all I want now is a season two.
1: <laughs> Me too. I agree.
0: <laughs> I, the, the way you wrap this one up, this can go so many directions. I'm dying for season two, Aaron.
2: Uh,
1: Thank you so much, Debbie. It was such a pleasure talking to you. And, you know, we have big plans for season two. A lot of exciting stuff, a lot of cool ideas. And we're just excited to, you know, I hope we get to tell the story for years and years to come.
0: And that was my exclusive with Aaron Eli Coletti talking about Daybreak on Netflix. It's available now. See it, see it, see it. Some great cameo appearances in the, in the series as well. Ken Marino, Joe Mangianello, and of course, one of the lesser adult co-stars, Ferris Bueller himself, Matthew Broderick, as the school principal. And it's an interesting, delicious role and performance by Matthew. But um, my enthusiasm for this show is unparalleled of late. Um, now, before... We bring on our next guest to talk about. Okay, so high school is hell. Adulthood is is as well. While we were listening to uh, my interview with Aaron, I got confirmation that tomorrow, all you Bones fans out there, uh, I'm going to be doing an interview with Luke Kleintank. Uh, Luke. an an endearing character one of the squint turns who came on in the last couple seasons uh, of Bones Uh, as a matter of fact on reruns this week they were running the episodes of Thurston and Obi's uh, Hot Sauce Uh, Luke is an incredible actor and he always had a flair of comedic timing with his character of Mr. Abernat Finn Abernathy in Bones takes on a different role in the upcoming Crown Vic An intense, intense uh, buddy cop uh, film, Uh, co-stars Thomas Jane, and of course, a wonderful actress who I adore, who we're going to get on the show, Scotty Thompson, is also in Crown Vic. So I'm excited. I'm going to be speaking with Luke tomorrow. So you will definitely be hearing that interview probably over either next week or the week after. Uh, Because I know we have all our loyal Bones fans out there. And it's always nice to see what somebody other than David Boreanaz is doing. So right now, we're going to shift gears from teenhood to adulthood. And we're going to bring on... Okay, we have the team from Welcome Home joining us. Hi, guys.
2: Hey, how are you?
0: I am so excited. It couldn't have worked out better today to have you guys on. You have a lead-in from my interview with Aaron Coletti about high school being hell. Now we're going to talk about going home is <laughs> equally as hell. Um, <laughs> so
3: growing up but not growing up.
0: That, that Yeah, growing up but not growing out. Um, so who all do I have? I, you're on the line, Bobby, I know. Yes. Okay.
4: Yeah, got Justin Alvarez right here. else?
0: Okay. And who, okay, Pam's going to loop in our, our missing our missing one right now. It must be Dan. It must, uh, I'll tell you. Dan's t- always
3: late to the party.
0: <laughs> always late to the party, huh? Well, that's not a good thing.
3: <laughs> or he is the party doing.
0: Okay, well, uh, you know, wa- watching Dan in Welcome Home, um, Dan is the party on many occasions. I can safely say that. <laughs> Are you there too, Dan? Oh.
5: I'm here
0: now. Oh, so just uh, you, at that moment. You th- you th- <laughs> <laughs> You this is welcome home. It is another it is hilarious. It is hilarious. Oh, thank you. Um I oh, first thank you. first I saw some of the season 1 episodes, then I actually I bought season 2. Um so you well, have so you, you have my money. I bought season two, <laughs> and it's the best $8.99 I ever spent. I'll tell you that much. Um, th- this you think
3: it's much better than season one in terms of like aesthetics, production values.
0: Anyway, season two is ju- is so character driven. Um, you really get deeper into your characters, but the whole pre- who came up with the premise for Welcome Home was this a collective. Oh God, we're all failures, and we're all going back home. Or did you know people who were failures and had to go back home? So I'm curious where this came from, guys.
3: Yeah, a little bit, a bit of both. Yeah, do you want to turn <laughs> off because you kind of brought
2: yeah. it all
4: together? I can hear
5: you. Can you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I can hear. I can hear Rob. Uh, um,
0: Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, you're right. Tag you're it.
5: <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> all you bud, what that?
0: Oh, just tag you're it, you. Dan. It's all you.
5: Oh, oh well. well yeah, I mean, I guess in our own know, way, everybody's. You know, there's no, there's, there's a lot more people today that uh, get stuck going back home to live with their parents because uh, just to do whatever they got to do to make ends meet, and they want to. They want to save up for a house, and they, I you don't know, have just failed in life. And uh, everybody, I guess, these days knows that everything just seems, like, just seems more expensive than it was in the past and more difficult. So,
4: sorry, I'm painting and, and talking on the phone at the same time.
0: Okay, you got, you guys are you guys are nuts. I can tell that. Um, but <laughs> now you know out of the out of this group because we primarily were focusing on Justin slash Justine, um, and I, I that is just Justin. That is hilarious, absolutely a hilarious character, and the way that Justin is developed. And I have to tell you, I actually know somebody. I personally know someone who pulled a stunt like what Justin did to get a job. Um,
4: That's that's sad. That's sad, but it's probably more common, I think, than most people would guess.
0: You know, where did... Okay, where did you draw... What did you draw from to create this character of Justin, who's a guy who's pretending to be a girl and then saying he's a lesbian... Um, in order to get a job in a company, because otherwise they weren't going to hire him.
4: Uh, so many things in life, you know, that kind of like you pull together to come up with an idea like that. I mean, I don't think the idea is so like revolutionary or anything, but just like I worked, um, I I was actually told a couple times I couldn't get a job because of um, some HR requirements,
2: mm-hmm. right?
4: Uh, that was in my early 20s, and and I understood, and it didn't really upset me. I thought, oh, that's fine, you know. Um, so I'll, you know, I'll apply for something else, which was which was what I think a normal response would be. Sure. Um, and then uh, you see this, like, the stuff going on in the pop culture where that, um, there was a white lady who was head of the NAACP or, or something. Like, I can't remember. I can never remember names very well, but mm-hmm. her story, or... you know, and a few other things kind of combined, and then... Um, you watch enough to curb your enthusiasm and know a few sociopaths, and you start trying to think like someone else. What would someone else do if they were in this situation? And, and, um, and then, you know, you pull all that together, and you, and you kind of come up with your plot lines and your characters that are a little, um, not larger than life, but they're kind of like on the fringe of, mm-hmm. of uh, what most people's experience is like.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was getting a definite Julie Andrews, Victor Victoria vibe. Um,
4: yeah.
0: So yeah, I, as I was watching you morph in back and forth between Justin and mm-hmm. Justine, um, and I have to say, whoever did your costume design did pick out some very flattering outfits for you to wear. Hey, that,
5: that was that your wife. Thank you. <laughs> <it>. that, was <laughs> that was my long
0: wife. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, and then of course we got Bobby, who. The most grounded of the group, married, with the wife from hell, I think, um, yeah. <laughs> and a baby. It's you left me. Um, right. so, so I'm curious. So you are actually, you are the most grounded. Bobby inherited the parents' house. And now, you know, lucky Ron, played by Dan, Ron gets to come home and live with his little brother. Isn't that what everybody wants right. to do? Is that more embarrassing than living with your parents?
3: Uh, okay, i got to live in the garage. It depends on who the older brother is, <laughs> I guess, right? <laughs> if it's Ron, then yes, because he's kind of a pain. Uh, and, you know, obviously it's because like the older brother taking care of him. Uh, but, yeah, it depends on who the parents are and who the brother is, I guess, to answer that question.
0: Oh, my God. I wouldn't want to live with either of my brothers. Yeah. Um, not even in the garage.
5: Yeah,
0: but, I'm the fu- but I'm the fun brother. Uh, well, okay, you know, okay. Well, I have one brother who's a drinking brother, so that can be fun. Um,
5: I keep him on his toes.
0: <laughs> and of course, Ron, uh, Daniel, as Ron, you're you, Ron is all over the place. Ron is still, he's back on the high school football team. Obviously, he fell on his head one too many times, proving that you know. Uh, sports and those concussions really are true Um, and this is, I think has greatly impacted how how Ron sees the world and it's hilarious watching you as Ron it is hilarious Um, you're very freewheeling and you never know it's like okay Bobby is kind of predictable Justin is kind of predictable but Ron all over the map
3: um, d- he draws how- experience of his own life without it. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, because it takes a life. It's pretty easy. I'm just playing myself. Uh
3: no. <laughs>
5: oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. No, I'm kidding.
0: How, i, I got to ask you guys how scripted is this series in each of the episodes, or was a lot of it fly by the seat of your pants?
3: Uh, we have a, a pretty scripted uh, script, uh, and if we have enough time to improvise the scene we'll do that. Uh, sometimes it's tough because we have a lot of people on set with, you know, uh, limited schedules. But if the time allows us we did do, you know, quite a bit of improv. Um, but, you know, our, our basic trips are, you know, as cut as they could be until we get on set and figure out, hey, something's working, something's not working, or we have an idea, let's try this, let's try that. But all depends on the time, I guess, the time we have to base in the shoot.
0: Now did you how how did you go about did you did you write out all the episodes, an entire season at one time, was this one at a time because the three of you, your producers, you're all directing, you're yeah. all writing. So I'm very curious how this dynamic works. We have many situations out there with you know two people directing, such as the Russo brothers or the Duplass brothers, um, but it's rare when you get a triumvirate there. So how does this? How does right. this all come to fruition and gel? Uh, in the actual process. Well, we actually had a, a fourth one in the beginning. Oh, God.
5: We had four people. So, <laughs> because she, the other, Amanda, technically, she's the one who actually created the Jen character originally.
2: Mm hmm.
5: In season one. The only one to season two. That's, she just didn't have the time to be involved, you know, to, to process, to, to do something like this, an undertaking. But she just didn't have the time, so it just turned to the three of us.
0: So, how did the three of you divvy all this up? Because you're all on screen, so
5: right.
0: you're wearing four, and in the case of Bobby, you've got a fifth hat on there because you're also editing. Um,
3: right. So, I'm curious how. I mean, what we normally do is we always kind of meet together and we kind of get a, a basic, you know, story arc and then character arc. Uh, in some cases, Justin knew his exact arc for. Season two for his character. So we'd all meet and kind of write down all the beats, uh, outline every episode, and then we just kind of divvy out. You know, obviously Justin writes for himself. I would write for myself. Uh, Dan and I would take over to write for uh, Jen's stuff. And
2: then Mm -hmm. we just kind
3: of figure out who else we need to do. Um, You know, get the scripts back, kind of put them in, see what's working and what's not, rewrite, you know, make fun of each other's writing for a little while, get some better writing, you know, things like that. So it's like a, a a lot of give and take and a lot of refining
0: now did you did you guys shot list or you know how how did the actual production go um once you once you had your script you hunker down and you're ready to say action uh, right. did you shot list we or just start to
3: shot list yeah we try to but the, the problem with this is uh, a lot of people that are uh, actors like the day players they don't have a short schedule or we don't have a location that we needed, so we're kind of moving somewhere else, so the shot list kind of gets thrown out the window. Yeah. But we know the basic shots we need, so we get the our standard coverage, and then if we can get other shots in that time frame, we do that.
2: And mm-hmm. since
3: we're kind of all wearing many hats, it's tough to really get detailed into, you know, the process of shot listing and making sure we get everything we need.
0: Well, and I think the That's fact... Else I think the fact all of you are what? wearing so many hats just adds to... The flow of the show itself, and the nature of each one of your characters, uh, because when you're wearing that many hats yeah, okay, and you're I'll juggling, you and you've got people yelling about the script, and this word—I wouldn't say this word—you know, can I say this word? And then the camera isn't working, and and you, you've got a corner, you've got to get around, but there's no room to put four people there to get around the corner with the camera. It makes you a little hapless, which
3: is—you got to be quick on your feet because things are constantly changing.
5: it's
0: what gives it its charm no I mean Dan it really I'm serious you're right that is part of what gives it its charm and its effortlessness and its natural flow Um, is the fact that you guys these characters are always getting themselves in situations especially Ron uh, where you've got to think on your feet and try and talk your way out of something because all th- you know especially um Ron and Justin well Ron more than Justin let's let's face it it's open mouth <laughs> insert foot every ch- every possible chance <laughs> and that's that's and that is that's truly what makes Ron so endearing i got to tell you that is what makes Ron so endearing and
5: yeah, I try to stay away from having like an angry edge or anything like that. In the beginning, actually, I had a little more of an edge when I first started because I didn't know I didn't know what, what direction I was even going with this character. And then I just, the second episode, during one scene, it just clicked. I think I was eating meatballs or something and during a scene. I was like, oh, there's Ron. And I just took off from there. No,
0: yeah, I mean, it's, because Ron really is that is endearing, and it's because of that open-mouth, insert-foot mentality uh, that he has. And, of course, then, Bobby, you pick up on that, and I don't know if you even realize you're doing it, but your facial expressiveness um, with your eyes just speaks volumes yes. in so many of these well, you. scenes. You don't need any exposition. Just one shot of you respo-
4: reacting, <laughs>
0: and, and we're good. <laughs> It's like your eyes are saying what <laughs> we're all thinking, and it, it, this gotcha. this is such a great it's, collaboration it, it, kind
5: of a, yeah the, the only normal person <laughs> in the uh, entire cast and yeah you got overseas and those that this is idiotic, that's idiotic of what these other guys are doing, yeah, but I'm kind of don't see se you know.
3: I mean it.
0: It's just it's just so fabulous. This collaborate this collaboration you guys have on and off screen is incredible, and it truly drives the stories forward. It drives the show forward. Um, now you are a very very day player heavy show. I mean how, ma- well, how many? How many? S- I think we have
3: sixty eight cast members.
0: I'm telling yeah. you,
3: Which is crazy. And a lot of
0: them are repeat. You know, they're coming in for a one-off here, a one-off there. But you've got a continuity with these characters. Um, in this second season, we've got Jen and Dr. Chris, who left her at the altar. And so now right. we, have, we have Dr. Chris and Jen still. I want him. I want him. I want him. I love him. I want him. Uh, and we'll do anything to talk to him. So we're seeing Chris popping up. And, of course, now we need a season three to find out what happens. I mean, you've got more stuff happening <laughs> here than on General Hospital. Um, so <laughs> how do you, you know, how it was your casting process? And then also expanding from your, your main ensemble to bring in all these other people from different walks of
5: life. Yeah, right. The majority of the actors actually we get are, uh, me and like Justin are the theater based. So we have a lot of actors that mainly do theater and a lot of them haven't really ever done too much, um, like been in front of a camera. They're mostly on stage. So, and I kind of like that dynamic because I think those actors can bring something more to, to a role than someone that just performs on, Television, or commercials, or just people that want to go that route. I think it's just a different experience, and, and they bring that bring that life to the to the show.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned that because I found that, especially in film, British actors because they all come out the majority ninety percent of them come out of theater training, and I do think that gives you you're lighter on your feet, you're able to think quicker, but you also can find more depth within a character.
3: Um,
5: exactly, yeah, exactly.
0: And I re- I really also, love seeing the theater, theater it trained.
4: It also helps with the, um, like, acting instruction, like when we're trying to work with the actors and give them direction. We all kind of speak the same language having come out of the theater, so it mm-hmm. makes us uh, work a lot quicker, more efficient. You,
0: know, um, you guys break the fourth wall, um, in the series. And that's something we don't see that often in series productions. Um, that was one thing things that struck me about Aaron's show Daybreak, break the fourth wall constantly. Um, you guys break the fourth wall. Um, what? Le- and it's so rare that's done. So I'm curious, what made you decide to do that? Uh,
3: I think, I guess, yeah, I, think that Bobby- you, I was kind of a fan of, like, the modern family in the office Duffy style,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and I thought it was a great way to get inside, you know, characters' minds, um, and also to have, you know, you add extra jokes and transition-wise. But I think it came from at least from my, my point of view, was from you know being a fan of Modern Family and, and The Office kind of <laughs> style. I'm, I mean, Dan and J- I mean, Justin might have a different reason, but
0: the other two want to weigh in.
4: Thought, I think um, it helps with, uh, like, like, correcting scenes and stuff. So if you, if you have the way we, we would write the, the, the whole season uh, up front, mm-hmm. and then we had some changes that would happen due to the changes that happened with actors. For instance, one of the actors got pregnant, and so then we had to rewrite that into the show because uh, the actor was going to appear pregnant. So then we had to go back and change the script a lot, but occasionally you'll kind of miss a spot. So having the, the confessional um, setup, you can go and, and um, kind of correct information or misinformation or clarify things. Uh, so it really just helps with storytelling. Um, when, you're, when you're trying to have so many pieces working together, uh, mm-hmm. it, it you know, just kind of gives you a little chance to kind of cut some corners here and there with mm-hmm. the story.
0: You know, and that begs the question because I notice with some of these fourth wall, especially um, with you, Justin, in the you do some fourth wall stuff in the car. Were you using mm-hmm. any any cell phones, smartphones to shoot, or did you actually shoot all everything with you know full
3: camera?
4: Some of those are on the uh, Osmo that Bobby has. Yeah, there was a DSLR we used, and we also used uh, a DJI
2: Osmo,
3: kind of like a tiny steadicam um, or maybe it's a real wide shot and it's really tiny so it's easy to fit into a car and basically i would sit just on the passenger seat and film him and hold the microphone so doing double duty while we'll justin talked to the camera
0: no because i mean it looks so it makes, looks things, fabulous
3: we also use the uh i'm sorry When I want to cut you off
0: oh no i just said it looks fabulous so that's why i was curious oh, if, you. You, if you were intercutting using a cell phone or something um, but yeah, it's seamless and it looks really great. So I'm happy to hear that that you could actually you actually used a camera small enough to allow you to do that in a car, which is always challenging enough as it is.
3: Yeah, very tight. Yeah, for sure.
0: No, I mean, just beautifully done. How, how, Bobby. How difficult was the editing process on this one?
3: Um, I mean, I knew since you're on set and since you're writing, you kind of know. Uh, sort of what you want while you're filming mm-hmm. so it makes it easier for me so if i had somebody else was editing the project it might be more difficult but you know as i'm on set and we're shooting stuff i kind of figured the way i want to put it together so for me it's not as difficult i mean i've been doing it for a long time and i'm very efficient now so uh yeah if, if i was doing it and had somebody else edit it, it might be a different story i guess
0: mm-hmm now did you before you tackle editing, do you, did you shoot the entire season first, or were you just doing one at a time?
3: We would try to do, I think we did a couple episodes, what was It was like four in the beginning, guys, and then took a break, uh, and then did the last three. And then it was over, I think, it might have been over a year that we shot the second season. So, you know, having all these people, these cast members in crazy locations, you just trying to shoot – scheduling days when you can shoot it whenever you can around people's availability so i would just whatever scene i would get that day and shot i would probably edit it within the next few days and just start piecing it together once we got everything done well so it's just a long process
0: well and i did notice i figured that you were shooting over an extended period of time because somewhere in there mindy minor who plays jen um she got her hair, she changed her hair color slightly and had it lightened. So you can see the change in her hair from uh, from the first few episodes into another, the next batch of oh, them. Yeah.
3: Uh, There's plenty of continuity. Oh, yeah. issues. <laughs> yeah, you, different different
5: different. you can definitely yeah. see changes in my, in my character's
4: hair. <laughs> We're not looking Y'all, at
5: they're that. They're, not, they're, not, they're, they're, they're,
4: they're
5: wanted wanted to get a haircut having, or dye my hair.
0: good god (laughs) did the budget allow would the budget allow for
5: it it? It a little gray Um, Uh, just for men
0: hey look you can (laughs) get a little you can get a little gray just overnight if you if you're living back at home with your family
5: (laughs) that's that's why the hats
2: came in handy
0: (laughs) (laughs) what is now you had a while between season one and season two What's going to happen with a season three? Are we going to have a season three? We need a season three.
3: Oh, well, we're looking to see. I don't know going you to tell happen.
0: us. What do you say? I should tell you.
5: I mean I'm You know, I'm just. Yeah, you know, I just chimed in with my nonsense,
0: So, so on a season three, let's hear a responsible voice.
5: Okay. So
3: season yeah, three. See well, how we do uh, gonna, season two? We're getting cut off here, aren't
0: we? Well, no. It, <laughs> sorry. No, so you're thinking of a? You're going to wait and see how season two goes before you embark
3: on a season three? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the story right now. We want to yeah. do one for sure, but we got to make sure that uh, yeah, we have a lot of storylines. Money's going to be right, and we have the time and everything.
0: Yeah, that's with a show like this. How challenging is it? to get funding to do a series like this?
3: It's tough. And this was basically self-funded and, you know, a crowdfunding campaign. Um, so we raised about, uh, I think, 10000 through a crowdfunding campaign. And then, you know, another probably five or 7000 of our own. So it's still very, very cheap. Um, but, you know, that money made a huge difference from season one to season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, hiring uh, some crew and, you know, everything was shot in 4K. Uh, so it really helps, you know, and the marketing, too, is another thing that's expensive as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and of course, we're almost out of time. Oh, yeah, we are almost out of time here for today for the whole show. But everybody can see. Um, now, I know Vimeo On Demand, Amazon Prime. Can people find the series anywhere yeah. else? Or are those the only two platforms?
3: A, well, Yeah. So season 1 is actually available on YouTube and there's plenty of clips from season 2 if you just want to just check it out for free and see if you even like it first to go, you know, go to Amazon. There's funny stuff on YouTube you can check out.
0: I haven't had a chance to check home. out the funny stuff on YouTube, so I have to do that myself. Um, but and I have to tell you between the platforms of Amazon Prime, if you don't have Amazon Prime, you know, you need to get it just to see this. Just go to Vimeo On Demand. Um, it's just it's just w- push one button and you buy it and that's it or rent it. Rental's only two ninety nine, And it's good for, what, a week or something? I think on Vimeo,
3: too, they'll stream it in 4K, whereas uh, yeah. I don't think Amazon allows us to do that yet.
0: Yeah. No, anytime I get a chance, just like when I get film screeners, it always makes me so happy when the distributors are using Vimeo. Um, because you do get that option that it can stream in a 4K, it, which always helps, especially when you're dealing with low-budget, no-budget things. And it makes it, when you you're put right. the money into that, you want people to be able to see it and appreciate it. Well, guys.
2: I
3: got a great player, too. You go, what? So they have a great player, too, Vimeo. Yes. Everything plays that really nice and smooth.
0: There is never a buffering issue with Vimeo. Never. I and for me that is like the kiss of death. If I'm in the middle of watching a oh, film or something, and all of a sudden, buffer, and the little yeah. circle goes around, totally the mood, right? it totally, <laughs> totally, and on something like your show, like Welcome Home, nothing would be worse than it stopping to buffer in the middle of a joke. <laughs> right. Total uh, killer. I mean, how, how would the, how would you feel if all of a sudden you're changing grandma's diapers and you're changing baby diapers and the whole joke is lost because it the player stopped to buffer? Wouldn't work,
3: right? Behold holding in front of the show.
0: Yeah, but so that's my plug, and I get nothing from Vimeo, but I much prefer Vimeo. I agree with
2: you.
0: <laughs> oh, guys, this has been so much fun having you. I love this series. I think everybody everybody should take the time and check it out um, you know Vimeo on demand Amazon Prime and of course you can see season one on YouTube with all kinds of teaser and funny things and considering the funny things that are in the show if they're even if there are more funny things on YouTube that's a win-win as far as I'm concerned um, guys you got to come back on the show sometime you guys are fun
4: all right.
0: thanks for having thank us. it thank you oh such a yeah, you can,
4: Appreciate
0: it. hey, thank your publicist. Mark, Mark messaged me. He goes, Hey, Deb, do you do TV? Do you do web series, people? And I said, Yeah, of course I do. I said, Why? What you got? And he goes, Well, I got these guys and this show. <laughs> and I said, I want to see it. <laughs> so, your publicist, your <laughs> publicist,
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, your so your publicist did, you did, did good awesome. work for it. you. <laughs>
3: <talked to everyone.
0: laughs> Mark did good work for you. So Oh yeah, he's
3: a good
2: guy.
0: Yeah, keep him around. Well, guys, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And of course everybody should also I have to I have to give the plug because you did do this, Dan. You are in The Man Who Killed Hitler and then Bigfoot with Sam Elliott. So And that is available (laughs) on VOD. You're only a farmer, but. (laughs) (laughs) The obscure things that I can find. But stop laughing. All right, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) And I will talk to you all again soon. In the meantime, everybody can watch. Welcome home. Thank you.
2: Thank you, you,
0: Debbie. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a good one. Bye. Oh, and I even got all the buttons to turn off today. Okay. That was the hilarity of Bobby Chase, Daniel B. Martin, and Justin Alves talking about Welcome Home. And, yes, it is on Vimeo On Demand and Amazon Prime. And then you go to Netflix and you can watch the incredible series Daybreak as well. All right. That is all the time we have today. Um. We'll be back next week. Got a full show next week. Um, I don't even remember. Who do we have next week? Let's take a look. Ah, we're going to be talking about the documentary, The Bygone, and a couple other fun things. Um, So, until then, I'm Debbie Elias. This is Behind the Lens.